Hey everyone, in this session of Reveal Jackson, I have to chop out about 45 minutes of recording. And the reason for that is we did something unique because someone was brave enough to allow us to. Uh, when we do inner healing, it's much easier to watch an example of how you do it rather than to explain how to do it. So we had someone from the audience who was completely and totally willing, even shocked me, <laughs> to come up and bring up an issue that they have been going through in their life and kind of have a counseling session right there in front of everyone. Now, this form of inner healing that we did is a chance to really bring the Holy Spirit in and to uh, take people either into a memory of their own or take people into uh, their imagination, have them paint a scene. And then essentially, as I'm they're praying with them, I will um, kind of coach them along their scene. Okay, so you've painted a picture right now. Let's go ahead and bring Jesus into the picture. Now let's go ahead and see what does Jesus' face look like? What is he saying? What is he doing? And as I, as I do those things, I have to, A, I have to be listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, just silently whispering in my mind about directions to go. But B, I also have to be discerning. Um, the way that they're picturing Jesus, does it look right? Does he look like Jesus would look like according to the Bible? Or does he look a certain way because of um, the way that they perceive Jesus to be in their memory? Or uh, is it even perhaps demonic counterfeit, something pretending to be Jesus that really when I look at it, I'm like, there's no fruit there at all that's... That's Satan trying to be an angel of light, if you will. I know this all sounds really confusing. We're going to do our best to still put in some pieces from the inner healing session here. But for the sake of privacy, you know, we already brought someone up to share their story in front of a group about 10, 15 others. I don't really want to blast their story <laughs> across the internet. So I'm just letting you know, that's that's basically what we did. We brought someone up, we entered into certain memories, and we even had them paint new scenes with their imagination. We brought Jesus into those imaginations and those memories, and we watched what he did with it. And I just kind of became a coach as to where we we're going to take the next memory or next imagination um, to see if it would help um, God speak clearer. So we're going to get into the podcast now, uh, the rest of the discussion and everything that you hear from here on out, this all happened after um, we had gone through 45 minutes of, of all that. Okay, so let's jump in. Reveal Jackson. That's hard to do, everybody. You know, just <laughs> get up in front of everyone very often and kind of talk about your life. And and uh, clearly, we could have gone for a while more. Some of the more recent ones that I've done, I mean, we're talking three to four hour sessions, which <laughs> when I told my therapist, he's like, 
I had never done anything that long before. So, oh. <laughs> well, oftentimes when the Holy Spirit shows up, though, it doesn't feel that long. Like, I'm not sure how that was 42 minutes, but somehow uh, time just seems to pass. Some of you might have felt like an hour and a half, but <laughs> when you're actually there trying to minister our, uh, with God and watch what the Spirit does, it's amazing the ways in which He'll show up. And when we do things like this in inner healing, um, we have to try to figure out, you know, like what are the sources that make us tick? And the reason I like to bring in images is because it's expressive and shows us the, the ways that we're thinking. So like Greg Boyd, for example, he's a pastor, also a theologian. He's out in, I think, Texas. Um, but for Boyd, he remembers a student who came into his college classroom one day and she just, though she'd been a Christian her whole life, she just couldn't really believe that God loved her, which, you know, I think probably a lot of us have, have been there, but that's um, like the basics of Christianity. God loves you. God is love. So what do you do when the basics are bouncing off and, and you can't catch that? So he did something similar to what we just did with Karen is let's enter into your mind and just see what things look like. Bring God into the picture. And the picture that, that he found that she had was that she was on a, more or less like in a canyon. And when he asked her to bring God into that picture, to bring Jesus into the picture... Jesus was across the canyon on the other side. <laughs> and he's like, well, that, that doesn't line up with Scripture. He should be right next to you. He's not far away. Now, to make matters worse, he was across the canyon looking the other way. <laughs> and she was waving, trying to get his attention, but he refused to turn around. And so to some extent, he's like, okay, we're working a little bit both with the Holy Spirit and your mind, but at the moment... Your mind's taking control over this. I can show you passages scripturally where God loves you. He wants to be with you. He desires to be right next to you, not across that canyon. And so he would start talking about these scriptures, reading them out loud as she continued to do that. And it took some time. But uh, if I remember right, it was by the end of that session, what they were finally able to do was bring the canyon all the way to a close. And now Jesus was like turned around looking her in the eye and he was the one like jumping up and down waving at her trying to get her attention so they took a moment to enter into that space and try to correct some of the thinking to set kind of the imagination into the right light in the first place and that's we all have that we all have moments where the reality of what we think jades what the scriptures actually say right I go through that too. I mean, when I read the prophets, they kind of tear my heart out <laughs> because I internalize everything they say against myself rather than against the, the true wicked evildoers out there doing the things they're saying. I take it on myself. And when I do that, I then turn like God's word on myself and soon I'm putting him at a distance. Uh, I remember... I had once read all the books of the prophets. Well, I had an audiobook playing of it, and I did it all in like two weeks. 
that's hard <laughs> to get through that much prophetic uh, judgment in two weeks. And when I was done, I was like, I don't even know how to read the Bible anymore. Like this just, this hurt. And like, I believe Jesus loves me, but I feel like when I try to line that up with scripture that they were saying, it's like basically like, you know, if I can't get my act together, I'm going to fall under judgment. And I know that both of these have biblical concepts and they blend together. But right now my mind's just weighed on this rather than weighed on love. And so I had a friend come up during that time and they spoke a new passage into my life. Not new. Apparently I'd heard it before somewhere, but didn't remember it. It was a word that, like I was feeling so judged. I was like, am I even supposed to be a pastor? You know, like, should I just step down? And they came and they showed me the scripture where it says the callings of God are irrevocable. And like suddenly the same scripture that's tearing my heart apart is becoming the same scripture that's mending my heart. And it's starting to change my my mind again to see God in the way that he is rather than the way that my world wanted to paint it. And it's starting to to kind of fix the situation. So um to some extent, when we want to enter into an imaginative space for inner healing with God, we first need him to correct our own minds. And that's why sometimes when we were doing that, I'd look at the image and be like, uh, I have to discern, is this uh, the way that you would paint him or is this the way that God wants to paint himself? You know, And that's part of the job of anyone leading inner healing is trying to come with counseling and wisdom which happens to be the holy spirit jesus himself is wisdom and the holy spirit is a wonderful counselor so as we listen and as karen continue to go through that often my my stage is to just kind of sit here and pray for her well pray silently while she's working through that and then ask questions kind of prod what's happening and as those things happen i'm able to kind of kind of discern where we need to to move from there and every case is uh, different. Um, so I think of a friend of mine when he was leading someone through this. Uh, she could not. She said she forgave her dad. That uh, she was over the situation that had happened in her life. And so his words were, "Okay, I want you now to pray uh, that God blesses your dad with a brand new red car." And she could not do that at all. Which, given what she had gone through, most of us would be in the same boat. But that became a space to realize, like, our our words don't match our actions. I don't think we're actually at the point of forgiving yet. On a side note, forgiveness, by the way, is releasing someone from debt. It's not saying that what they did is okay or, like, you know, like, no problem. It's in the past. No. It happened. It was bad. It was wrong. Forgiveness is saying, you owe me something for what you did, and you don't have to pay up anymore. I'm letting it go. I'm turning it over to God. That's what forgiveness is. And so my friend had to continue counseling. We need to get to the point where you can pray this prayer. I was there. Man, I had someone turn against me so hard, so viciously. And I was losing my mind, losing sleep over it, losing my mind over it, wait, living in anxiety of what this person would do at any given moment to try to derail my life. And uh, eventually, like, 
I had this dream one night where God just said, well, here's, here's what's, here's the dream. I was in my, uh, walking through my bathroom and there was an ant and I stepped on the ant, but when I pulled up my foot, now there were more ants. So I stepped on those that just caused them to multiply more. So I stepped on them till eventually the entire bathroom was taken over with ants. (laughs) And I yelled out in the dream, stop moving in the name of Jesus. And suddenly all the ants morphed into a tiny little weed in the crack of my tiles in my bathroom. And I was, I'm actually usually pretty good with dream interpretation, but I didn't know what to do with that one. And it was pretty obvious. (laughs) I went to my wife because this was going on with my friend at the time. And I was like, this is a dream I had. And she's like, well, yeah, you you keep trying to stop it and you keep trying to like uh, amp things up and take care of it yourself. But as soon as you turned it over to God, things got a lot easier. Was it a problem? Yeah, it's still a weed, but is a weed easier to take care of than a million ants taking over a bathroom? Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I really got to give this situation over to God, don't I? So I would go on walks around my neighborhood and pray blessing over my enemy who I thought was going to just go crazy uh, with anything against me. And I'd be praying, God, bless them. Give them everything that I want. Let them have it. Uh, give them every single thing that I could possibly desire that they would have it and I would even like be jealous of just how much they have. <laughs> and I found like the more that I prayed that, the easier it became. It wasn't, it wasn't easy. I never wanted to pray that prayer. Uh, but the more that I prayed it, the more that I was forced to try to love them through the situation. And eventually, um, things did reach a conclusion that were much, <coughs> much easier to reach than all the other possible conclusions when I finally was able to hand that over to God. So I know I'm babbling a little bit. You watched an attempt to bring in some inner healing to kind of use visions, uh, which I know it sounds weird that we, some, some people would be like, that's not a vision. Vision is like, I look and behold angels everywhere. Uh, there's different kinds of visions. Uh, Job talks about, Job and Daniel talk about night visions. What's a night vision? Anybody got a guess? A dream. What's a day vision then? Daydream, yeah. God using your imagination at night. God using your imagination during the day. It's not to say that every dream you have is God's, right? It's not to say that every daydream you have is God's. But it seems to me that the prophets understood I can bring God into my imagination to speak to me if I'm, if I'm willing to be quiet enough to listen and try to discern what's him and what's me. So questions on what you've witnessed so far. What if someone just isn't? Like they get to, I added the step 20 on my notes, but like they get to that place (laughs) and they just, they can't. Like I can't, I cannot pray that thing. I can't bless, I can't pray a blessing over them. Like what do you do in that like specific moment where you're like, they're in that space and like, Mm. what does the next like steps look like Mm. from there? Yeah. 
How many of you were just in our spiritual warfare class right before this? Like three of you. So you guys have heard a little bit of an answer to this already. Counseling only works with those who are willing to be counseled. When I go to my therapist, when he gives me ideas, if I don't go home and do it, I'm not really going to heal, right? Uh, likewise, um, our conversation was on the demonic. We want to remove demons. We go to do it. But it ends up the person with the demon still wants it there or doesn't want to deal with the root that's brought it in. Well, we can't we can't fix it until we do that. We're going to prod a little bit first, like how stuck is this? Can we counsel you through this? I know God's proud of you. You know, like not even a question for me. The difficulty is trying to help you see that yourself, which is the same thing. We all have our own narrative just like that. So, so I would have kept pushing. But if I hit someone with a roadblock that is just too strong, I'm eventually going to hit the point to say, we need time to sort this out. You're aware of this roadblock. I'm aware of this roadblock. Let's take a week. You need to pray on this. Think about it. Keep coming back to this place in your imagination and see if something breaks. And when we get together next week, Let's push through whatever you've discovered through this time. So did we? Or was it a whole week and just like it was too toxic for the person to feel like they could address it? And if they couldn't address it and they didn't want to get into it, we're just stuck at the roadblock. Eventually you doing the counseling have to come to a conclusion just like a therapist might. Like, am I actually any help to you? Or do I need to turn this over so that you can work through it uh, until you until you're desperate enough to work through it? You know, that's kind of what Paul does with the church guy sleeping with his stepmom, right? And he's like, dude, even the pagans don't do that. Like, <laughs> what's Paul's answer to the situation? He says, turn this guy over to Satan, which is pretty extreme. But, but his point in that is like right now he's in the church's protection covered by God and you're all just letting this happen. He needs to feel the pain of what he's going through. Because Paul goes on, he's like, he uh, um, turn him over to Satan so that his soul might be saved. I, I might be paraphrasing that. But the idea is like turn him outside of the church where things will get bad enough in his life that finally he'll say, I got to fix this. I need to stop sleeping with my stepmom, which seems like a no-brainer to most of us. But that, that was Paul's idea. And in 2 Corinthians, he talks about an unnamed man saying, accept that guy back into your midst. Be gracious. We don't know if it's the same guy, but some would say, hey, maybe it's the same guy. He's finally come around, turning him over to Satan, actually actually restored him in the most backwards way you would have expected, right? Which I think most of us would say we've been there too, where we let something get so out of hand, a sin so out of hand, that eventually we said, I got to fix this. And it was the out of handness that actually brought us around to it. So if you're ever wondering why God would even let Satan exist in the first place, it's very possible that Satan somehow is a backwards megaphone to run back to God and see your life changed. Just saying. All things used in some capacity. How do we get there? What'd you ask? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, if someone is struggling through 
through that like forgiveness step? Mm. Like how do you like maybe maybe they maybe you prod and they can't get past, how do you like close out that time then, Yeah. like in a healthy way? We might eventually um close out by going to uh by taking that break like I was just talking about. But another thing I might do is change the image. Okay, so a fridge wasn't meaningful to you that much. Why? You're never allowed to put anything on the fridge. So maybe we need a new analogy. So I might switch to something else. What communicates the same theme, but is something that they could relate with. And again, we only had so much time. I had more ideas of where we could go and I just can't cover it right now. Um, so does that help answer yeah, some of that? I think it does. Yep. Yeah. Other questions? Um, so if you kind of have trouble leaving this by yourself, would you suggest coming to someone to do that with you during the process? Yeah. So when you're prodding around in people's minds, you need to be careful. You don't want to accidentally enforce the wrong method. Likewise, you're trying to discern, hey, what's God's voice in this? What's your voice in this? And what's Satan's voice in this? So I need to remove Satan's voice. I need to remove the barriers that he's added in. Part of the way I'm going to do that is by bringing in God. God, what would you actually say about this? And sometimes you see that happen. Uh, people have been abused by parents, um, whether that's physical or sexual beyond um, you bring Jesus into their memories and you see Jesus into the corner just crying his eyes out over what's happening having the truth exposed to you like Jesus had nothing to do with that he wants nothing to do with it and like he is crying more than you are like that begins to restore the person who's been there oh he does care. He does love me. And he was, uh, um, he, he would not have this happen to me. Like those are, those are corrections in our minds. I think even on a neuroscience level, they begin to change the way that we think. So we'll start to think properly again. So, again, as we've learned throughout these sessions, spiritual and physical often overlap. Other questions or thoughts? Has anyone done anything like this before? No, well, I had it done to me, I guess. <laughs> Someone else jumped in your brain? Yeah. yeah. Did you find it to be beneficial or? Yeah, it was super good. I mean, it, for me, it was like a space where I was sort of participating remotely with other people. And so I watched other people go through it and then I had in my head like what it was going to look like for me and then when it finally happened for me it was like totally different than I yeah. expected or whatever um, but they did some really cool things too that I think they were trained to do but it was like they had like props and other stuff as well to like make it a little bit more like interactive or whatever so like at the end for me like while my eyes were closed like a whole group of people went and like brought out like a bucket of water or whatever and they like washed my feet and like I wasn't expecting that but it was like a cool um, stuff like that was really impactful for me too but. yeah yeah I mean you do really work out methods like that as you practice this with other people or honestly this is something you can practice with yourself which is good news um, I was working with Karen on this but because she's such an imaginative person I'm hoping you got a little bit of a feel for this 
in one of your next prayer sessions, you can go to these memories. You can go to that space you've created and invite Jesus into it and watch the scenes change. That was it for me. That used to be my office. I was just sitting in there thinking, you know, how can I use my imagination to follow God? I'm feeling a little lazy at work today. and Just leaning back and like, I wonder if I could bring him in. And I begin to think and things start to happen where the Jesus that I brought in my memory says things that are way too smart to feel like I would have said that. Uh, and then sometimes he's saying things that sound exactly like what I expected him to say that I'm pretty sure I just put words in his mouth. And so I'm sitting there trying to like discern what's what. So finally, like this becomes a very powerful moment and so powerful that one time I was crying, just crying. I had just yelled at my son at the top of my lungs because he wouldn't get in bed for the hundredth time. Parents unite, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and I just kind of lost it. Uh, and then just immediately went to my room fell on the bed bed just angry letting my wife finish up because obviously I was just too out of place and then I was still angry still kind of exhausted over it I think I had only gotten three hours of sleep that night so that's part of what I think was feeding it but I I went downstairs, I took a shower, went upstairs thinking now I'll be good, but I wasn't. I was still just kind of like fuming or whatever. And so I was like, I'm just gonna practice what I call the dreamscape. I'm gonna practice uh, just imaginative meditation to bring God into this moment. And man, it got intense real quick. Usually I've got a space I've created that I always go to. Just because when you get in the habit of creating that space, kind of like Karen already had one, when you get in the habit of creating that space, it becomes much quicker and easier to get there than to try to create something new every time. I usually go there, but I closed my eyes and immediately I was in this like apocalyptic looking warehouse, uh, sorry, greenhouse. I was just kind of being overtaken by weeds and everything was kind of falling apart. I'm walking around I'm like, what is this place and how did I just make this up so quick, you know? And God enters kind of the scene, if I remember right, which in my mind, he shows up as Aslan, C.S. Lewis, you know, is usually a lion. Um, uh, Jesus is usually Jesus, but when God shows up, it's a lion. And I'm kind of like walking around with him, looking at this, I'm like, what is this place? And I just instantly hear him reply, it's the garden of your mind. Cool. <laughs> you know, it's deep. What does that mean? Um, Okay, and I look around I'm like, why is everything dead? <laughs> now, this is especially painful at the time because I was writing a book called A Taste of Jesus, Growing the Fruit of the Spirit. Of course, the thing I'm working on is about looking at spiritual growth as vegetation and greenhouse produce, right? Uh, it's like, why, why is everything dead? And I start walking down this hallway and, and I see these kind of trees in each room still kind of apocalyptic looking and they don't look that healthy i'm like what are these and he's like well there's um you know the fruit of love fruit of joy fruit of peace fruit of patience 
And when we get to peace, I'm like, I had written a hundred pages on what peace is <laughs> from a biblical perspective in that book. And I get to peace, I'm like, what do you mean this is peace? You know, like I'm studying this like crazy. It's falling apart in here. And he just kind of like said, uh, peace has strong roots, but it hasn't produced much fruit yet. And, you know, Jesus talks about how anger is murder from a spiritual perspective. You know, lust is sex. Anger is murder. And here I am thinking I'm a peaceful person while screaming at my kids out of anger. And, like, when he said, you know, when he starts saying these words to me, I eventually just started bawling. And I rarely do that. I'm just not a very... I'm not that emotive of a person when it comes to working through things I cry a lot now at kids movies I don't know why but <laughs> when it comes to like memories and things like that I'm usually like the like toned down too hurt to emote kind of person in this case I just start crying to the point that like my wife's asking what's wrong and I'm just like I don't I don't really like myself right now was my answer and then I stopped because I realized that was my thoughts I don't really like myself is not what Jesus was communicating to me. Um, so I, I decided, no, that would be a satanic way to translate what I'm seeing right now. And I paused and thought about this image that I've been given again of this greenhouse. And I realized, you know what? When I look at God in this image, like it's not, I feel convicted but I don't feel condemned. I feel like I need to get things going, but I don't feel like I'm, uh, like God's looking at me and just, you ruined everything. You know, like I didn't get that kind of feeling that I felt. Conviction, but not uh, disappointment necessarily. And that caused me to like start to look at my life and say, like, man, I, I really got to work on this. I want to see this greenhouse come to fruition. I was at Radiant out in Kalamazoo, I think, the following week. Corey Asbury was leading worship. And as I just sat in the back, I decided I was going to enter into that prayer space again. Went back to the greenhouse. And as I was there, uh, the picture I was given this time was of a greenhouse full of life. Not because I had fixed it in one week, you know, nothing like that. Uh, not even close, still fixing it up. Uh, but that image for me felt like, uh, okay, you've gotten the picture of what it is. Now you're catching the picture of what it will be as you continue to push forward with me. This, this imaginative space is powerful and it's a, it's a prophetic uh, pursuance. It's not something that always works perfectly for everyone i would say it's something that works for everyone because we're all generally pretty imaginative we understand narratives and stories and what's being communicated um but for some people it, it catches on a lot stronger like joel who's a super imaginative person whenever he gives prophetic words at our church it's almost always a a few paragraphs long about what he saw, not a word about, I don't know, someone's back hurts. It's usually like a story. And that's part of the way that God's programmed and anointed him. And uh, that takes some time to sort through in your own life.
But just in the same way, I think that you can all hear God's voice on some level. I would say that you can all practice what we did today on some level, even if it doesn't catch like wildfire for you. Um, more thoughts or questions based on what we're talking about or what you've seen or comments? You use this imaginative, what do you call it? Dreamscape. Dreamscape. Patent pending. <laughs> Is that what, I mean, was that the main thing that helped you figure it out? Because, I mean, I can see where things, like, um, make me angry, but I don't understand, like, the root cause. Well, the good news to that is uh, the Holy Spirit is still an answer to that. The Bible tells us that gifts of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, which, again, means, like, if we were to go back in the Karen space, like, is the image that we're looking at loving, joyful, peaceful, patience, kindness, you, you get the point. Do we see those elements there when God shows up or do we see something else? That's a discerning factor. But fruit always grows. It's, sorry, fruit should be growing. That's how fruit works. You, you, we get confused in the 21st century because I go to the store in the middle of the winter and I can buy grapes by magic powers. I, you know, it's just like, what's going on here? It's, grapes don't exist in Michigan at this time of year. But for a gardener or a farmer, they're well aware, like, to get those grapes, they have to start with the seed and they have to keep growing. So for the Bible, when it's saying, like, we need to produce fruits, it's first saying, like, you don't, you can't have the real love of God for another person by your own merit, the Holy Spirit needs to produce it in you. You can't have the kindness that you need to give to another person by your own merit. Holy Spirit needs to, to grow that in you. The peace that you need, again, it's a gift and a fruit of the Spirit. And like all fruit, <clears throat> it grows. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing none of you the day that you got saved, suddenly we're just like the best person ever. Right? Like you were suddenly so peaceful that someone put a gun in your face and you're like, hi. Right? Like, no. Instead, as you read the scriptures and you let the Holy Spirit chisel, suddenly you're like growing in that peace. And you recognize like this is not a peace that I've created. As I've worked with the Holy Spirit, he's grown this in me. Trying to grow the Spirit's fruit by your own effort is the same as trying to grow a palm tree in Alaska. It doesn't work. It's not possible. Technically, I read a scientific article that it is possible, but, I mean, you understand my analogy. Without science proving me wrong, we don't expect palm trees in Alaska. Um, but uh, we have to let the Spirit grow it. So... And this is something that I just like to point out, you know, when we get hungry for the Holy Spirit, we want the big stuff. I've pushed that today, too, because Paul said desire the big stuff. But you know what? Some of the very basics of being a Christian are the works of the Holy Spirit just making you a more holistic person and giving you character. And if you desire the big stuff without the character, you've probably seen people on TV who have that and it doesn't end well. Saul, he's given the big stuff. Saul, you're anointed for king. Oh, well, a few chapters later, God says, I regret having made Saul king. <laughs> the, 
The character does not appear to be there, but the anointing is still on him. Same with the sons of God. They didn't grow the character that they're supposed to have, but the anointing to continue in their authority is still there. So we have to... We have to aim for the little things, the everyday things that grows us, chisels at us, and turns us into what we're called to be, and not get so down on ourselves that we can't get to that point, because depression is a a very hard toxin to fruit. Um, many of you have probably been there, where it's like, that's the millionth time I've committed that sin. I'm never going to be past this. And those kind of words will tear you down until you can't get past it because it's just, it's almost like a spoken curse. It's just in existence now. It takes time. But fruit takes time. So be patient, which is another fruit. And eventually <laughs> you'll, find, you'll find it as it grows up. Anything else in these final moments? All hearts clear. I am excited for the rest of the night, one, because tacos, but B, <laughs> B. two, because uh, Stephen's going to, again, come and bring us a, a message on empowerment, and when we leave from that, sorry, after that, we're going to spend time in worship, and maybe it's just because I'm a worship leader that I find music to be powerful in a spiritual way, but... I find in the churches that worship forever, God tends to show up and things tend to happen. And we felt on our hearts that we're supposed to go through with this today, even in the light of things like Corona, because God has some real plans for for what's going to happen today. And so tonight as we worship um, and there's a prayer team available for prayer to ask God to give you more than you currently have so that you can leave here commissioned to continue his his work, which we think he wants for you. It's up to him what he gives, but we think he still wants to give you more than you have because he's the way you're going to do what he's called you to do. We're just excited to see just what happens throughout the rest of the night. So I know many people sometimes I say, oh, there's music for the next hour and a half. I'm out. I would suggest you dwell in that space unless you have a long trip and just be open to what God has to do in our lives tonight. Um, we've all learned a lot today, and if you missed other classes, we hope that you'll still be able to learn from them. We'll upload it to our podcast after we've edited out from each segment things that seemed a little too personal from your questions and whatnot uh, to be able to put up there. Um, but you'll be able to catch kind of some condensed versions, we hope, up there. So let me pray for you, and then we'll get ready for dinner and everything else. So God, we are just uh, gracious for your love. I just pray your Holy Spirit right now just increase in everyone here. Fruit where it's not that that would grow. Old habits where they are... uh, not seeming to go away, that it'd be broken. Addiction is broken right now. Fruit installed in its place. Holy Spirit, for that miracle. And I pray that you would bring uh, to everyone's mind 
something that maybe you want to work on their lives for inner healing so that when they leave this place, they'd be able to leave with the conviction of something that needs to, to, to be hashed out in them. So right now, God, bring to everyone's mind, whether it's one memory or one topic, something that just pierces them and stays with them to give them the space to know they have to keep pushing through. I just sense his presence really at work right now. As soon as we started praying, it was very sudden. God, we are your people. We want to do what you call us to do. Be who you call us to be. I thank you for the bravery of Karen to share her story. And I thank you for the bravery of everyone in here to be willing to choose this class when so many would flee from inner healing. Teach us to be able to learn the stuff, to offer it to others. And teach us to be able to engage in it ourselves. We're yours. We're excited for what you have ahead of us tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Reveal Jackson.